way to the back. And for the rest of us, let's take our Bibles. We will turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. And we'll be looking at verses 14 through 23. You know, when it comes to serving and following God, much confusion can come from the idea that somehow we get closer to God by what we do, those external things, how long my list is of do's and don'ts and how well I observe that list that I embrace or that someone else is embracing. And what we need to understand is this, what we do on the outside isn't as important as what's on the inside. You could do everything just right on the outside, but if you have an inside that isn't changed and transformed by God himself, the externals don't matter. We not only have to look at what we do, but why we do it. So when it comes to following scripture, where's your heart? Why do you do what you do? You know, the story's told some years ago of a pastor who Wanted to get to church, but all of the roads were blocked. So you know what he did? He strapped on his skates, and he said, I'm going to church, and I'm going to skate on the river to get to church. So he comes into church after skating there to get there, and the leadership is there at the church they had made it into, and they were concerned because he was skating on Sunday. So after church, they called him in. And they said to him, Pastor, we're concerned. We saw you skating on Sunday. And the pastor explained, look, that was the only way I could get to church. The roads were blocked. So I got creative. I put on skates. I came to church on skates. And they said, well, skating on Sunday. Did you enjoy it? And the pastor said, no. That was the only way I could get here. And by a five to four vote, they decided it was okay. That's what happens when we have these external rules that are made by men that maybe at their heart want to honor God and his principles, but overreach. They stop looking at the heart and they start just focusing on the externals. And it always causes confusion. And that's what we find here as we look in Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. We find people who were confused by the traditions and the rules that they had established. They had forgotten who God was and how to have a close relationship with Him. They started to embrace a system rather than embracing God. So what we want to see this morning is that indeed it's what's on the inside that counts. It's what comes from the heart. Because trying to approach God from purely the external leads to confusion. And when we try to decide what's going to defile me and we just look outside, we're being short-sighted. What we find first in this passage as we come to the 14th verse is a core belief on the part of the Pharisees and the scribes that focused on outside things and decided that it's the external things that can cleanse us or defile us. And that whole thinking is really flawed when we think about it. Look at the 14th verse. Again, Jesus listened or called to the crowd and said 
Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him clean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Now, let's think about this text. When we pick this up, the context of the passage is Jesus interacting with the Pharisees and the scribes. And if you remember, the Pharisees and the scribes were the religionists of their day. They had built a system where maybe... In the best of intentions, they were trying to, to build a system that said, we need to set ourselves apart, we need to lead holy lives, and here's the way we do it. But what happened was this. Rather than focusing on God, they shifted their focus from God to the system. And as a result, they built a system of traditions that judged people on the outside rather than emphasizing the closeness of a relationship with God on the inside. And so what began as the best of intentions turned out to be executed poorly. And as a result, a lot of confusion as to how one relates to God came into the system. And what they were doing, we learn in the first 13 verses of the seventh chapter, was this. They had a system in place built upon traditions, and when they wanted to pursue Jesus in the sense of discrediting him, they judged him not in the light of God's word, but in the light of a system that was built on their traditions. And as a result, they rejected God himself in the person of Jesus Christ when he was right in their midst. And you know, that's what happens when we marry ourselves to a system rather than pursuing God. We get confused and we start to form a core belief that these external things are essential. And it can happen to any of us. Charles Spurgeon, the famous pastor, shared this. I found in my own personal life that the more rules I lay down for myself, the more sins I commit. The habit of regular morning and evening prayer is one which is indispensable to a believer's life. But the prescribing of the length of prayer and the constrained remembrance of so many persons and subjects may gender unto bondage and strangle prayer rather than assist it. And that's always the struggle that we have, isn't it? Where does the outside stop and the inside come into play? What we find with the Pharisees was a system that they had built that had become an atrocity. You see, rather than pointing people toward God and His revelation, it drove a wedge between people and God. And that was evidenced so clearly here in the book of Mark by the way they treated Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and every miracle that he performed, every teaching that he had given was in keeping with God's revelation, prophecy. He was fulfilling it. And yet, because they had a theological grid in their mind that Jesus didn't fit, they rejected God in their midst when they had clear revelation that this is indeed who he was. Their system was more important to them than the Savior. And so confusion set in. You know, as believers, we need to be careful of the same thing. We need to be careful that our relationship with God 
isn't just going through a rote list of do's and don'ts without giving heart to our relationship, without investing ourselves in the sense that I want to please God, not so that by the things I do I can garner His favor, but I want to please Him out of a heart of gratitude and worship that desires to please Him because I'm so thankful for what He's done for me. That's the way God wants us to live. Not discovering a list of standards and saying, here in doing these traditional things and fitting into this theological grid and framework, I will somehow garner God's favor. And that's where the confusion always comes in. It's always so subtle, isn't it? We find that if we have this list to where we don't have to think, We don't have to somehow make the tough calls that are made for us that life is much easier. God wants us to know Him and follow Him from the heart. And that's what Jesus shares with these people. Look carefully at the 15th verse. In the 15th verse, Jesus says this, Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. What Jesus wanted the Pharisees and all those who are around them to understand is this. Your system is fundamentally flawed. And here's the flaw. You're saying that you can change the inside by doing things outside. And that's backwards. You don't change the inside by doing things outside. You change the outside by a transformation of the heart. That's what they couldn't understand. Everything was outside in, but they had it in reverse. And the problem with the outside in is this. They didn't base the outside on what God said. They based the outside on what man said. And when you base the outside on what man said, you're even further afield. Your thinking is even more flawed. You're not following the revelation of God. And this is what Jesus has addressed as we go through the Gospel of Mark, isn't it? Again and again and again, Jesus was confronting the spiritual leadership with what they were telling the people. He wanted the people to understand that our relationship with God is based on faith and repentance, not based on those external rules and traditions that have become a part of the religious system that we function within. It's so important that we grasp this as well. But then the text moves on. And Jesus, in the second half of that 15th verse, starts to talk about the correct view. What we do is a reflection of what's inside. Notice after Jesus says, nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Now here's the thinking. If you think that it's only on the outside that I am defiled, that I am sinful, you have a short-sighted view of sin. Sin isn't something that's purely external and it just happens. There's something that goes on inside before it happens outside. The behavior is a result of an inner attitude and an inner heart condition. 
And that's what Jesus wanted the disciples to understand. You know, you could dot every theological I and cross every theological T. Your list of standards could be longer than anyone else's list. You could even keep the Ten Commandments with perfection externally. But if you sin in your heart, you still have a problem. In a previous church, there was a man who was a leader in the church. He was as straight-laced and strict as any, and in my church, that was saying something. Very strict, very straight-laced. Had rules for everything. Didn't mind sharing them with other people. I would kind of brush up against this guy and... We didn't see eye to eye, particularly as I started reading the book of Galatians and some other books that talked about my, my freedom in Christ, and we just didn't see eye to eye. And a few years into seminary, my mom calls me and says, do you remember so-and-so? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know that for a number of years he was engaged in child pornography, photographing children and dispensing pornographic material? Now, on the outside, he appeared to be super Christian. But on the inside and behind closed doors, he was something else. What caused him to behave that way? The externals didn't crush the evil in his heart. It couldn't eradicate it. And the evil in his heart continued to grow and blossom under that system of strictness. He needed a transformation of the heart that's brought by Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is saying in this text. What he's saying is, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Verse 15. We will eventually show who we are and what we are in the heart. To take our sin and try and cover it externally is like taking a bandage and placing it over a cancer sore. The cancer will continue to grow. The bandage doesn't address the root cause, the root issue. And so when I buy externals say, if I keep this list, I somehow will become better on the inside, it's flawed thinking, fundamentally flawed. I need to have the correct view that there needs to be a transformation of the heart. Isaiah addressed this. He was talking to the children of Israel. And as he was addressing them, they were all about continuing all of the sacrificial system. Isaiah said this, When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moons, Sabbaths, convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. In other words, the children of Israel were doing everything prescribed in the law as far as their worship, their ceremony. They made every sacrifice. They observed every festival, but there was a problem. 
Skipping to the 15th verse, it says this, When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. And plead the case of the widow. What was going on? They thought that they could have business as business and treat people and abuse them the way they wanted to as long as by that side they were doing all of the external things that were prescribed in the law. And they felt that those things prescribed in the law would offset the other things. And you know, there are many people, even in the church, who approach things in the same way. If I make every service, if I fire up an occasional prayer, if I read the Bible, if I can quote Scripture, then that will offset the way I've cheated on my spouse, the way I've stolen from the company, the way I've dabbled in pornography. The list can go on and on and on. And listen, one thing does not offset the other. There has to be a transformation of the heart. There has to be a change that takes place in here. And that's what Jesus is emphasizing to the people as he shares this passage. He wants us to understand that change comes from within. Now, in order for us to grasp this, Jesus gives some clarification And he helps us understand what causes us to be sinful. And what he wants us to understand first is this. Clean or unclean things aren't as important as the heart. Now, you notice the picture of the uh, no on pork. Uh, The dietary laws of the Jews was what I had in mind. And this is where the confusion came in. Look at the 17th verse. In verse 17, it says this. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. And then Jesus' response in verse 18, very simply to the disciples was, are you so dull? Now, before we get into what Jesus actually says, I want us to think about the disciples for a moment. The disciples had been brought up in the same system the Pharisees and the scribes followed. So when Jesus was sharing his teaching, it wasn't like they were a blank slate to where everything that Jesus said didn't run through a filter. They had the filter of what they had been taught. So Jesus' mission with the disciples was to unteach what they had learned and to change their filter. And you know, I started thinking about this. As Jesus says, are you so dull? It wasn't that the disciples just didn't get it. It wasn't like they were all blondes going, I don't know. Sorry, blondes. (laughs) The issue was they had a filter that confused them. They couldn't hear what Jesus was saying because they tried to make it fit what they had always been taught, and as a result, God's revelation became confusing to them. 
because it didn't fit their theological grid. And you know what? We can all fall into that. We can all fall into that. We'll read a passage of Scripture sometimes and we go, ooh, this makes me uncomfortable. It doesn't fit my theological grid work, so now I have to explain it. And sometimes there are things in the Scripture that we look at that won't fit the theological grid that we have. So how do we handle it? How do we deal with it? What do we do? We go with God's revelation over a system that we've embraced. And we say, if what God says is true, then this is true. And I'm not going to try and bail God out by explaining away something that the Scripture clearly says. We have to be careful about that. That's what the disciples were doing. And the disciples were confused as a result of it. And the result of their confusion was Jesus pointing out their problem. So let's look carefully at what Jesus says here in the 18th verse. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean, for it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body? What Jesus is saying is this. The food that you eat, the ceremonial washing of hands and then touching food that you eat, that doesn't defile you. The food has no impact on your heart. It goes into your body and then out of it one way or another. And we'll leave that part of the illustration there. No further elaboration needed. But it doesn't enter the heart. It doesn't transform who you are. God wanted us to understand this through the words of Jesus Christ. Because again, it is so easy for us to get bogged down in man-made rules. When you look at the dietary laws and the ceremonial washing that the Pharisees had put together along with the scribes, you know what you find? They had good intentions in putting them together. Think about this for a moment. When they put together their interpretation of the law, it was to assist people. God says not to work on the Sabbath. So, what did the Pharisees do? Well, what constitutes work? So, they started to decide, according to their tradition, what constitutes work and what doesn't constitute work. And as a result, you know what happened? People became thoroughly confused. Their tradition that was meant to help became a system in and of itself that confused people and had people more focused on what was being done than the purpose of it to honor and glorify God. And what had happened to the Pharisees and the scribes as this system continued to develop was this. It became more about the system and less about God. And you know, we need to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, as I follow God, am I purely following a system without a heart that's directed toward God? 
Do I just sort of go through my faith and do the prescribed things because everyone around me says that that's what I'm supposed to do, but I give very little thought to God and the fact that I'm honoring Him and glorifying Him and what I do. The basic foundation of the law is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But in observing the law and in following what God says in his word, do I do it thinking that somehow by that I'll change myself inside? Or am I doing it to praise God and to say, God, I worship and honor you. And in doing these things, it's about you, it's not about me. That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. And that's what Jesus is bringing to these people. It's not the outside that you need to worry about as much as the inside. Because external things have no influence on the heart. God alone changes the heart. Not us trying to change it from the outside in brings us to our final point. We need to consider what comes out of the heart as of most importance. You know what the heart is like? When we look in the scripture, the Bible defines for us what the heart is like. But before we talk about what the heart is like, we should talk about what the Bible means by heart. We kind of have a sappy view of the heart, especially with Valentine's Day. We get these cute little hearts, and you get the red construction paper and cut half a heart, and it folds out to a whole one. Amazing. (laughs) And we think of hearts as affectionate and loving and only that emotional aspect of the heart. And really, when we look in Scripture, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, when the Scripture talks about compassion and affection, it talks about the bowels. I love you with all my bowels. You know, that's, that's the idea. That's where the affection is. You know what the heart has? The heart has my intellect, the rational aspect of me, the choice, the decision that I make. All of that pertains to the heart, and that's what God wants us to focus on. What am I choosing to do in turning to God and allowing God to transform that part of me rather than the outside. Because if this part isn't changed, this part isn't changed. And that's what I need to grasp. So that's why Jesus says something very important as we look at verse 20. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. In other words, it's the behavior that's brought about by a sick heart that causes the problems. Jeremiah said this of the heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? As you read on in that text, you find God alone understands the heart. But if we look and we say, I'm just following what feels right, we hear all the time, I'm following my heart. Guess what? If you're following your heart, You're following a diseased, sick thing that's been corrupted by sin. We need God's revelation, but we need that revelation to transform the heart, not just the outside. 
but a true change on the inside. That's what God wants us to understand. You see, sin is so much more than just an action. We look at sin and we'll say, oh, sin is telling a lie. Well, guess what brought me to the place to tell that lie? A deceitful heart. Sin is committing adultery. Guess what brought you to the place to commit adultery? A lustful heart. Sin is hoarding what we have. What brought you to the place to where you would do that? An arrogant, greedy heart. All of the actions that we think about as far as sin are produced by a heart that has fundamental problems. James said this, Each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. In other words, it's not external things that tempt us. It's inside that tempts us, our own evil desires. Then, once that evil desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. There's a process for sin, and it starts inside, not outside. And that's what Jesus wants us to grasp in this passage. I think this is clearly illustrated by what the Lord shares in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in his heart. You know what that's saying? Where does the sin begin? In the heart. And you can be committing sin, but so afraid of the consequences that you don't do the outward act, but in reality, you've already done it in your heart, and that's what God looks at. You see, as people, we look on the outside. The Scripture so clearly says that God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart, 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's the heart that needs to be addressed. It's the heart that needs to be transformed. And just in case we don't get it, look at how our Lord describes the heart. Verse 21. From within, out of men's hearts come this list of things. Now let's look at this list of things that Jesus mentions. First of all, the Lord mentions evil thoughts. And when we look at this passage and we think of evil thoughts, it's thinking that is morally corrupt. It's thinking that rejects the good that God would have us do and gravitates toward the opposite. It's not the external things that cause us to think those evil thoughts. You know where it comes from? The heart. It proves to us that we have a sinful heart. He goes on in this list, and this is what we find next. Sexual immorality. Now, the Greek word that's translated sexual immorality is the Greek word pornea. Does that sound familiar? Pornography. It carries with it the idea of sexual relations outside the bonds of marriage. Pre-marital sex, extra-marital sex. That's what it's talking about. And listen, 
That doesn't happen because all of these things are available around us and we're just sucked into it. You know why it happens? My sick, sinful heart wants to seek it out unless it's transformed by the power of God. Theft. Taking something that doesn't belong to me. Somebody else has it, I want it, so you know what? I'm going to appropriate it for myself. I'm going to take it. It comes from a sinful heart that doesn't want to do what God says. Murder. Again, you don't have to commit the act of murder. Wishing that somebody was dead. Looking at them with hatred and loathing them. In your heart, you've committed murder. Maybe you don't do it because you don't want to go to jail. But inside, you've already done it. Adultery, the same thing. We covered that in Matthew. Greed. The idea of greed is holding on to the things around me too tightly. Not wanting to share with others. It's very self-motivated. It has nothing to do with the good of others. And certainly nothing to do with God. And it's thinking that the things are mine in the first place. When really everything that we have belongs to God. Greed causes us to think in the wrong way. Malice, wishing evil toward other people. Looking at people and saying, I wish something bad would happen to them. And that's motivated by hatred. Deceit. I didn't really lie, I just misled them. Yeah, right. It's causing people to believe something that's untrue, knowingly causing them, leading them there. Lewdness, that's like licentiousness licentiousness. Going out and just saying, hey, there are no rules. I do what I want to do. And if I feel like doing it, off I go. Envy. Resenting someone for what they have. Slander. Saying something bad about another person. In other words, saying something that you know will cast that person in the worst possible light. Again, there are Christians who will come to church every Sunday and be engaged in every kind of ministry you can think of who will knowingly slander people and gossip about them. And that's something that Christ includes in the list as a sin-sick heart. Arrogance. Thinking that the world revolves around us. We're so important. And then folly. Living as though there is no God doing what we want to do. And notice what Jesus says to cap this off. All these evils come from inside and make a man clean. You know what the Scripture is telling us? It's not the external things that make us who we are. And it's not the external things that are going to change us and make us follow God or closer to God. You can work on all of those outside things all of you want, and guess what? It's going to fall short. True change comes from a heart that has been transformed by God Himself. Let me encourage you this morning. That transformed heart only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can try and try and try to change, but that's reformation, not repentance. Repentance means I have changed my heart 
and my mind about God. And I want to yield my heart to him and have him make me the kind of person that he wants me to be. That's repentance. It's turning from self to God and saying, Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And in so doing, I can find forgiveness for all of these things that are listed here. And I can find God will change my heart so that I will no longer be this person. He will change me from the inside. It's available to any. So I encourage you this morning, think long and hard about where you are in your relationship with God. Are you just a purely external person that's sort of going along with what people tell you is the right thing to do religiously, but your heart's not in it? Or are you the kind of person who has turned to God and said, God, take me, take my life, take my heart, transform it, change it, make me into the person you want me to be? That fundamental transformation will come from the heart, but it can never come from the trappings of what we do. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text and we thank you for the challenge that it is 